man's character by the way he speaks of his wife. Judith took a deep breath and blurted out, I do trust you'll join the judge and me for breakfast in the morning. Governor Kincaid tried to scoot between them, but the congressman's strong left arm got in the way. Uh, we have Mr. Garfield scheduled uh, to meet with the mine owners for breakfast in Virginia City tomorrow. His time with us is so short, and uh, with the Republican State Convention in full session— Nonsense, Garfield roared. I can meet with the mine owners later. Besides, most of them are here tonight. He turned to Judith. Of course I'll have breakfast with you and the judge. Then he turned to the governor. You don't think I came all the way to Nevada just to campaign, do you? Governor Kincaid looked a bit crestfallen as he led the presidential candidate to a cluster of eager handshakers. Judith Kingston slipped her arm into her husband's as they strolled across the crowded room. She laced her small fingers into his large, calloused ones and squeezed his hand. Then she stood on tiptoe and whispered in his ear, "'I told you.' Judge Kingston stroked his mustache and goatee as if he were brushing off loose hairs. Mm, you win, my dear Judith. Thank you. But I do think your breakfast invitation put our industrious governor into a dither. The governor is a dear man. He'll get over it. She smiled sweetly as she glanced around the state capitol lobby, studying the crowd of Carson citizens. She found herself noting the materials of the women's dresses. She knew exactly how much each ensemble had cost and where it had come from. She took some small satisfaction that her dress had been sent to her by her daughter, who was at college in the East, then immediately felt ashamed because of this indulgence of pride. Judith Kingston watched the warm-hearted and genial presidential candidate trying to please everyone— working the room. "'Did you know that James Garfield writes poetry?' she asked. "'Lucretia told me he can write a poem in Greek with his right hand while he writes the same poem in Latin with his left.' The judge glanced down at his wife's dancing eyes. Hmm. "'While of dubious value to a president, I have to admit that's quite impressive.' He fussed at straightening a perfectly straight black bow tie as he thought, How in the world does Judith know so many details about so many people? You look impeccable, as always, Judge Kingston, Judith said as she patted the front of his three-piece charcoal gray silk suit. And you bring radiance to an otherwise dull evening. She tilted her head. Oh, Judge... You are such a flatterer. I most certainly am not. Judith stood on her tiptoes and brushed a kiss across his blushing, clean-shaven cheek. And that, dear judge, is one of the reasons I love you so. The judge stepped away but didn't release her hand. Mm, private affections should not be displayed in public places he intoned, as if giving a ruling from the bench. They promenaded toward a linen-covered table supporting an enormous punch bowl, 
filled with a liquid of a deep orange hue. Open-faced sandwiches, stuffed mushrooms, large green olives, shortbread cookies, and dark chocolate cake filled silver plates. Look around, Judge Kingston, Judith challenged. Is there anyone in this room paying any attention to us? From his six-foot, two-inch height, he surveyed the Capitol lobby, including the sweep of the polished wooden staircase to the second floor. Hmm, no one's looking at us at all. Then I would say we're practically alone. The judge's hawkish gray eyes locked onto hers. In that case, he leaned down and kissed her. Judith clutched her husband's arm eyes closed, enjoying the warm touch of his mouth on hers. Mm, 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 Judge Kingston, at times you are absolutely...